Welcome to Courage in Healthcare, a podcast sponsored by Maxworth Consulting Group. I'm your host, Kyle Worthy. Today we're visiting Valley Health Cancer Center in Winchester, Virginia. When you walk through the doors of this remarkable place, you think of all the people who have found comfort here in the midst of unthinkable struggle. Sunlight pours into the cancer's two-story glass lobby. There are meditation rooms, prayer chapels, and even a healing garden where rocking chairs sit on a patio at the edge of a beautiful pond. The infusion center is positioned so that patients can look out over the garden during treatment. Before the center was built, cancer treatment in Winchester took place in locations with dark hallways and crowded waiting rooms. Some had to be treated hours away from home, adding to the stress of living with the disease. Now patients, their families, and their medical team have a place that was designed to help them find peace. The center is a shining example of the kind of impact a foundation can have on a community. I'm here to meet with Kevin Callanan, the former executive director of the Valley Health Foundation and leader of the $10 million capital campaign that funded the center's creation. A native of Virginia, Mr. Callanan attended VMI and holds a master's degree in philanthropy and development from LaGrange College. He served our nation for 28 years as an officer in the U.S. Army, retiring in 2006 as Lieutenant Colonel. During his 25-year fundraising career, Mr. Callanan has raised over $56 million for community hospitals and schools. His work with Valley Health was his biggest project to date. I wanted to find out more about the work that went into building this place, what role foundations play in supporting care delivery in our communities, and how they are shaping the future of healthcare. Well, Kevin, thanks for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate it here in this beautiful day in Winchester, Virginia at the Cancer Center. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how the project came to be, this Cancer Center? Well, Winchester Medical Center was founded in 1903, so it's been serving our community uh, for going on 117 years now. Mm-hmm. And when they moved uh, from the downtown location out to the outskirts at which was at that time the outskirts of Winchester, which is now central Winchester, but they moved out of here. They, very quickly, they added a, um, a cancer center within a medical office building. And so it just had the oncologist there, and then and there was another section where they had uh, radiation, and they didn't, ha- didn't have any surgery. Mm. But what they found over the years is what they had built was not sufficient for the demand. Mm-hmm. As our community has grown, uh, as the area has grown, they just, it was packed all the time. The, the, the You'd walk into the waiting room and people would be sitting on each other's laps. And, and you hit, then you had to move all over the place, the campus, you'd literally, uh, a cancer center uh, patient might visit eight different locations to receive their care and receive their diagnostics. So it was, and it was known for a fair amount of time that we, um, that we clearly needed a freestanding cancer center that was two or three times larger than the than the allocation that they had. Mm-hmm. And so they knew they wanted to do that the longest time, but they were grappling with how to do it. Our foundation came on board back in 2005, and we started to have a fair amount of success pretty quickly. And I think that success of reaching out to the community, reaching out to our staff and our board members and having them donate to the foundation for various projects. I think that emboldened the leadership to feel that with a strong fundraising program, 
the vision and dream of a cancer center could become a reality. Mm -hmm. So we visited with the leadership, and the leadership said, hey, we want to build a cancer center, but we understand we can't do this without charitable giving. Mm -hmm. So we did a study, and, and the study verified what we already knew, which was this community was ready to support, help build a freestanding cancer center. So what did it mean to you to be involved in that project? It was probably the biggest project I have ever done in my 30 years of fundraising. Mm -hmm. And it was important, but it was also extremely terrifying because <laughs> we had a goal to raise $10 million. When they did the study, the board set a goal of raising $10 million out of what it ended to be about a $25 million project. So it was close to 40% of the, the cost of the building and the equipment was going to be raised through charitable giving. Wow. And, and we had never done a campaign of that size. In fact, no campaign had been done in this community of that size and the campaigns that had been done the previous decade had all failed. So scary was actually probably my most my most passionate um, remembrance. And I remember sitting down with the consultants, and I remember sitting down with uh, um, uh, my staff and and to some of the board members saying very seriously, guys, there's only one person in this room that gets fired if this thing fails, and you're looking at them. And I have two young children. I got to send to college. We have got to make sure this works, and for the health of the foundation, we have to be successful. So it took you about five years to raise the money, is that We correct? did. Well, it's actually broken into three phases. Okay. So, so uh, what, we'll, what happens is you'll normally do a study, mm -hmm. and the study doesn't validate whether you want to build a cancer center. We knew that already, and we've talked to so many patients and so many family members. We knew we needed it, but we had to validate that we would raise sufficient money in the community to build the cancer center. Because you don't want to go out and st say something and not raise the money. Right, so you, yeah. we did a study. The study verified somewhere between 7 to $10 million. Of course, the board went with 10 Thank you very much. <laughs> I, was, I was nudging more in the 7 range. Uh, but then, uh, uh, then we, you do what you call the leadership phase. Okay. And that's where the staff and the, and the board and the consultants all work together with actually a smaller group of, of donors, probably less than 200, mm -hmm. to raise a significant majority of the funds. And we raised seven million, I think, six to seven million during the leadership phase. And then you have what we call the community phase. And that's where you really go out to the community as a whole and you say, all right, community, we're going to build this cancer center. The good news is we've already raised seven million dollars. We need you to come on board and help us get the last three. Mm -hmm. And the great news is we actually, uh, thanks to a great effort for, by everybody, we were able to raise all in about $10.6 So we went about 600000 over goal. Wow. What is the process like in, you laid that out very succinctly, yeah. and that, that's very helpful for someone that's not in this world, um, that process of fostering those relationships during the leadership campaign, tell us what's that like? Well, really, when you do a capital campaign, you want those relationships already built. Okay. The capital campaign, you can use a campaign to start jumpstart, but it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I came on board in 04, 05, and I brought on a, a, a small team of fundraisers and so from 05 to 11 for six years we built relationships of trust and honesty and really caring about the donor so we were able to take those relationships those friendships those bonding 
connections that we had built over the, le- the previous six years. And then we were able to expand all those relationships. But really, the core donors that we engaged with from 2005 to 2011, 2012, became our our most significant donors for the cancer center. So we had earned some trust. We had we had really committed to them. And and a big thing that we do in, in, in our foundation has always been a commitment to serve the donor first. Mm-hmm. Not what's in the best interest of the hospital, but what is in the best interest of the donor. And we found so many of our donors had been touched by cancer, either a loved one or themselves. And so we were able to take that passion and that commitment and, sh- and, and come to them and say, we know you're a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. We know you lost your mom to cancer. We're going to do something here that makes a difference. Would you, and we would be honored if you'd join yeah. us. And, and, the, and the good news is we had over 1,800 people that said yes. Wow, terrific. So, Kevin, asking for money is something that you know most people, including myself, would <laughs> feel pretty uneasy about. Yeah. So how do you overcome that challenge? Well, A, I think, and I agree with my, my past senior director, you've got to be passionate about whatever you're fundraising for. And I really do believe that, that you've got to deeply care. Uh, there are probably some charities I would be a horrible fundraiser for because I, that's not my, right. my commitment. Uh-huh. But in healthcare, if you've been in a hospital for any time, you know the mission that a hospital and the physicians and the staff do is, is a noble mission. Mm-hmm. It's, it, is, it is something incredibly important that touches people's lives in ways that can't ever be, uh, you can't even track it. And, and so fundraising for those people is a blast. Mm-hmm. Now, part of it is also you, you just, as a fundraiser, you can't take it personal. As uh, uh, one, um, uh, I've always said, um, asking ain't getting. And so, and, and, and when we ask, we're not asking for ourselves, we're asking for Tom, the cancer patient, or Susie, the newborn mom. We're asking for them. So it, it takes a little of that fear out of it. But also, uh, as my team and I would always say, is, is there's never no. It just means not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we live with the never know, just not yet, and 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 we're not asking for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to. I find the really great fundraisers don't personalize mm-hmm. it. They 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 care deeply about their mission, mm-hmm. and they're fundraising for the mission. So specifically to this project, was there like a moment that you knew that it was going to go forward? It was going to get off the ground. Yeah, yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. So we were. It was actually. The campaign had already started up and, and running, and we were seeing some good initial success. And um, and I remember walking to the top of the hill with a, a donor of, of mine who was a cancer patient. Her, her name was Jan, and I won't give her last name. And, and they had just cleared the land and they were just putting in the initial piping. In fact, there was a big fence. You couldn't even get through the fence. And we're standing at the top of the hill. And I, I remember stretching my arms out and saying, this will be the new cancer center. And she turned around and looked at me and tears were streaming down her cheeks. Wow. And, and I'm an army guy. We don't cry. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it was probably the most choked up I've ever been in my, in my profession as a fundraiser. 
and that was the moment I knew we were going to get it done. And there were a lot of other moments. It's when the auxiliary pulled me in to announce they were making an additional $300,000 gift, and they Mm -hmm. were so excited. It was when I got a call from my friends at Maxworth, (laughs) literally as I'm going into the first meeting of my board, and you guys had committed a significant gift. And, And I walked into my board, and I said, one of our best friends, our partners, has stepped up and did this. And and you could just see the look on everyone's face. So there were there were probably five or six moments throughout that time where I knew it was gonna happen and I knew it was gonna happen because so many people were stepping up at a level that they could. They were making that sacrifice to help build a cancer center that was gonna touch tens of thousands of people. Mm. Well, tell me about groundbreaking. I'm sure that's a big day, right? You know, it's, it's sort of, I, you know, <laughs> so I got so I got married okay. about thirty years ago. Yeah. And I don't remember a thing from it. It <laughs> it went that quick. And I remember my beloved marriage with my wife, but but the wedding went by so quick it's hard to remember. But and, and the groundbreaking is very similar to that. I mean, yeah. you see all these people out there. It was a really well-planned event. Everyone came out. It was exciting. We had local politicians. We had all our community. But most importantly, we had a lot of our patients out there. Oh, wow. And, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty amazing because I, remember, I do remember one patient coming up and saying, uh, I will never get to see this new building because I, my care will be done by then. Mm. But I'm so glad that the next me won't have to be in a darkened room with a crowd of people, with no, with no you know, quiet, with no, no sense of calm. That next cancer patient will get to be in a great place. And that, that, that was probably the thing I most remember about groundbreaking. But, the, you know, the beam signing, the groundbreaking, all those things that go by in a blur. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's hearing something like that where they say, you know, I'm going through it now, but the next person won't. Wow. It, that, that made my day. Well, well, tell us a little bit more about the impact the center now that it's been up, built, operational. Tell me a little bit more about the impact it's had on the community. Well, it's had a huge impact, and on multi-levels. One one of our core groups that was so important to building the cancer was our physicians, our physicians in the radiation side, the oncology side. Um, uh, we At the time when we had the old cancer center, we had no surgeons. We were able to bring in top-notch mm-hmm. surgeons. Uh, we were able to expand our oncology team, our radiology team. All these physicians were also huge supporters of uh, the, the cancer center. In fact, I, I wanted to share with you, because I forgot a little earlier, our physicians in this community gave over a million dollars toward mm, the wow. cancer center. But to go back, so first thing, mm-hmm. it gave our physicians a great location to work in mm-hmm. where they could serve and care for more patients and more family members. It also gave us the tools to recruit some really incredible physicians to Winchester because they could see this facility and they knew they were going to work in this facility and it was a draw to bring mm-hmm. more and more physicians to care for more and more patients. So from a physician side, I think it was a great tool. For our staff, it was a much uh, it was a, a nicer room area. It allowed them to really maximize their efficiency, but also have a great quality of life place to go to work to, because that is a tough job. If you're an oncology yeah. nurse, 
that that is emotionally mm-hmm. one of the hardest jobs yeah. out there. And to give them a place that's bright and sunny and has all the equipment they need and all the facilities they need, I think helped our staff as well. The patients, you can't even compare a small cramped um, uh, waiting room to a much lighter, larger, lighter area where much more roomy, uh, places where you could either be quiet if you wanted to be, places where you could be part of a group if you wanted to be. You were not looking out over out of a window onto a trash bin. You were now looking <laughs> onto these beautiful ponds yeah. that the team helped raise money for. You were looking over a beautiful pond, a beautiful campus. It just, I think, from a... So it made the quality of our life of our patients better that mm-hmm. were going through care. It made the quality of our life of our staff better and our physicians. The whole, the whole continuum of care made their lives better. But also what's really been important is now patients who had to choose to leave the area no longer do. Mm. So I believe our, our out-migration has significantly dropped. And we're able to do more programs and care than we did before. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things where you had to go to UVA or you had to go to Hopkins, which is a three-hour one-way drive. Now everything is within one building, so there's no traveling around the area. It's in one building on one site. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's probably 90, 95% of the type of cancers that we care for can be treated right here at home, which is, I think, for our patients, the biggest improvement. Mm-hmm. They don't have to travel anymore. And that's that's huge when you're going through cancer care. Unfortunately, during this same time, uh, when we were building the cancer center, my mom died, was diagnosed with a brain cancer. Oh, and she had to travel like an hour and a half to go get care and then my brother would have to take her home because she was so sick she couldn't drive he'd have to wait five or six hours for um, it just it was a really tough time and that's one of the things that really motivated me during the cancer center I said I want to build something I want to be part of building something right. that my mom would be able to use yeah. and unfortunately she passed before we finished the cancer center um, uh, but there's a plaque downstairs and every time I get to come to the cancer center, I go by and visit yeah. my mom and tell her hi. That's terrific. So I know you watched this come up from the ground, you know. So what was it like, though, the first time the official doors opened and you were able to walk through the front doors of the cancer center? What was that moment like for you? It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It, it was we got to go in a little early because we were giving staff tours and stuff like that. But when you walked, and the blessing is, is all my staff, we had seen the old center. We had been in there watching people receive their care. And you walk into the new area. I remember standing there with my board chairman and my senior director of development, Jenny Grooms, and we're looking out the window. And, and I just got really choked up because I thought no one's going to have to look at it trash dumpster ever again Mm -hmm. they're going to be sitting in this chair they're going to be sitting there with their loved one Mm -hmm. they're going to be scared Mm -hmm. they're really going to be worried and they're going to look out over that pond and they're going to get calm they're going to and they're going to see their staff and it's just it's going to change it's going to be a, a seismic transition to how we care for our patients in this community 
And that, that was the coolest thing, and seeing how it was going to save lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the radiology side, the one thing I loved is that we actually were able to put in two machines, two of these huge, multi-million-dollar machines that do the radiation care for our patients. And one of the biggest fears the hospital always had is they only had one machine and one vault. If it broke, patients were in a real dicey situation. Now we would those patients would never worry about it again. So, and just seeing you know the two and three years of labor and actually seeing the walls up and seeing yeah. uh, the facility up. And that was really cool, but was even cooler was the first time we got to walk in there and see patients in mm. there. In fact, as long as I was employed with Valley Health, every month I came through. Mm. And every month I'd visit my mom's plaque yeah. and I would visit the patients and the staff because it just it just made me feel so good. Well, that kind of leads into my you know next question. You know, there's always more work to be done, but this was such a huge project. So how do you keep your team focused on the mission uh, or mission, the next mission or the current mission of sustaining uh, the cancer center or what the next thing is uh, for your group? Well, that's a great question. I think part of it is is fundraisers are, are very self-motivating individuals by their nature. Mm-hmm. And because we, fu- we fundraise in a way that's a little different than a lot of hospitals, we really focus on what's important to our donor and not, not just a project. Uh, we'll serve a project, but we really care more about what our donors want and how we can better serve them. And so the energy uh, can always maintain. Mm-hmm. The mission changes, but the energy is always there because we're always, we care more about what is what is in the best interest of our donor and our partners than a specific project. So, um, and a lot of our stuff is about sustainment anyway. Our, our goal, we, we said 15 years ago, Debbie and Jenny and I got together and we set the vision that what we were going to do as a healthcare foundation was serve our hospital by taking more and more stuff off their shoulders that we could do for them and that would relieve them and allow them to do other things. Mm-hmm. So we've always sustained that goal of education and patient support and, and capital needs like mm-hmm. this. In fact, the Cancer Center was our first capital campaign, but since then we've had four capital campaigns. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, tell me a little bit about the financial impact now to the hospital specifically. Well, I think there's really three things. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, uh, this was right after the, the decline in the market. Mm-hmm. The hospital just didn't have the ability to build the cancer center out of just operating assets. The foundation, the strength of the foundation and the ability to do this campaign made the cancer center a reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't just do it out of revenues. With us being able to raise $10, $10.6 million, it made that happen. Mm-hmm. The second thing is one of the things I shared with a, uh, one of my staff was that for the for the hospital to raise $10.6 million, to generate $10.6 million, they would have literally had to generate $212 million of operations to net wow. a profit of $10.6 million. So in other words, they would have had $212 million of everything, of realized revenue, unrealized revenue, patient care. That's a lot of money. That's about 21% of what Valley Health earns in a year. Mm. 
they would have had to got an extra $212 million to, to equal that $10.6 million in profit. We were able to do that uh, for less than, I believe, we, we raised. It cost about a million, a million to, to, to raise that $10.6 million. Mm. So, so we were able to, A, just help fund it so they'd even think about it. B, it reduced the hospital's need to raise those dollars elsewhere to pay for it. And lastly, the fundraising for the cancer center hasn't stopped. So we're now funding programs to help update infrastructure. We're funding programs to continue helping our staff and our physicians. We're funding programs to help patients in need. So it's not just about building. It's now about sustainment. And we're generating revenues every year past the capital campaign to better sustain the cancer center for the long term. So, Kevin, the rising cost of health care is well documented. It's a hot topic mm. these days. So does the foundation have a role in supporting the community with this burden? It'd be your foundation, or do you think foundations in general across the country, uh, do they have a role or a, maybe even an obligation to help with that? Well, let me address our hospital foundation mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. I, I think the great thing about our, our that a hospital foundation is is we can take a significant role in helping hospitals keep the costs of healthcare down. Mm. And, and the way we do this is that as a foundation, we engage people who have a deep sense of gratitude for our hospital. And they want to communicate that gratitude through a charitable gift. Mm-hmm. The foundation can then take those charitable gifts and use that to, to release the hospital from funding things that really become a, a drain on them. Uh, one of the great things that I'm so proud of with the Winchester Medical Center Foundation is for the last decade, we have fully funded a significant portion of the staff education and a nice portion of the physician education. Those were costs the hospital used to have to pay for, which they don't pay for anymore mm-hmm. because the foundation takes care of them. We can also f- help fund indigent care programs. We have a program that actually helps fund offset costs on 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 the drugs that are used in chemotherapy. Hmm. We can also do capital so a foundation uh, that's mature enough and has the right staff and the right leaders can also help reduce the cost of capital. The best example, and I'll revisit this, is the cancer center. We couldn't build the cancer center. They just didn't have the revenue. We were able to pay, the foundation was able to raise the money in a very efficient manner to pay for about 40% of the cancer center. So because of that, we have a cancer center here. Mm-hmm. And so so from a capital support, yes. From an indigent care support, yes. And for a sustainment of programs and releasing the hospital from having to do some programs, I think a foundation can have an incredible part of, of being a, a healthy in health care and helping re- keep those health care costs down. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, is a lot of our leadership doesn't see the numbers of a foundation as being key. So when you have a billion dollar operation, but your foundation only raises five or six million, it's very easy to to go, well, that's not an important facet. But when you compare the net of that foundation fundraising compared to what the cancer center makes, Mm -hmm. you're literally, your foundation with five or six people could literally be making more profit than the entire cancer program Mm -hmm. or the entire women's and children's program. And if it were applied with that same sense of of engagement, you 
you can really do some significant good to keep the cost down. Hmm. Well, since your time at Winchester, you've now transitioned to a new venture. I have. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. So um, I've done my second retirement from Valley Health (laughs) as well as the Army, and now I'm going on my third career, and that was actually creating a firm to help hospitals and retirement centers with their fundraising challenges. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen over the years is we've created a model where turnover is incredibly high. One of the things that I was most proud of, someone said, what are you proud of in the 15 years? And I said, I'm really proud that the people that I started with are still here. Mm. And so our length of stay was about nine years for our, for our fundraising staff. The average length of stay uh, in, a, in a foundation is about a year and a half. Wow. So I saw a need for a firm that could come in and act as interim fundraisers and interim leaders mm-hmm. and, and can step in because they have a lot of experience and help an organization right away. The second thing is I found a lot of consultant firms will come in and tell you what to do, but they don't do the work. They don't roll their sleeves and get the job done. So my firm's vision has been to bring in people not only that will fill the slot, but they'll roll up their sleeves and they'll go ask for money. And and it's easy to tell somebody how to do it. It's another thing to actually do the mm-hmm. legwork. And and so secondly, we we will actually go out and engage people and raise money. Mm. And lastly, because we're now on the battlefield with you and we're right beside you raising the money, we can understand the culture. So if you do decide to refill a a lost position, we understand the culture as a firm. We can then help bring the right person in and we'll be there by their side to sustain them, to make sure they don't leave in a year and a half, that they stay three and four and five and 10 years. As I used to say to my staff, if you're a fundraiser and you come in for a year and a half, you've just cost me money. I, this, this hospital has lost money. Mm. If you stay for three years, we're breaking even. You stay mm. for five years, we're now really seeing um, mm-hmm. uh, a much longer stay. So that's what the firm's really focused on, stepping in, help, helping with the interim leadership, helping with hands-on fundraising, and then helping put the right person in there that will stay a long time. So, Kevin, uh, how do you believe fundraisers like yourself can help shape the future of healthcare? I think we can be, we, many, and many times fundraisers hear the community better than about anybody else mm-hmm. because we're out in the community. So we can hear the thoughts and needs and beliefs and, and the good things and the bad things. We can be a conduit from the community to the hospital about what's going on. Um, I think also, I think we can help make things that couldn't be imagined imagined. Mm. And the cancer center is probably my best example. People couldn't imagine a cancer center being here that would be freestanding and large enough to care for our patients so they wouldn't have to leave town. The fundraising imagined that. Mm. And so, and, and I, there's examples of that across the country. So um, it's a, it is a true honor to be a fundraiser in healthcare. It is, it is a challenge, but it is, it is something uh, that is noble work, and I think that it does, and, and we'll continue to serve our hospitals in the future. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the time today, and I appreciate the very small part we've been able to play here at the Cancer Center, and just to be able to be here inside the Cancer Center yeah. with you today and help share that story. We appreciate it, and look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, Kyle, thank you very much, and I want to emphasize what Max Worth was 
was not insignificant. It was significant both from an act of leadership, an act of giving. Uh, when I look back on that campaign, your presence there, and I mean this from the heart, was incredibly important well, and, and truly appreciated. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Thanks. Talk to you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Courage in Healthcare. We would like to thank Kevin Callanan for sharing his story with us. If you have a story that would inspire other leaders in the healthcare community, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Kyle Worthy with Maxworth Consulting Group.